This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Rabaloni Chardware and Garden Stores brings your Garage Logic podcast number 776, January 24, 2022. It's 57 degrees on this day in 1981, and it was 33 below in 1904. And now... From the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Boy, Minnesota received a uh, terrible indictment over the weekend in the what Wall I Street miss. Journal. In the what Saturday I miss. Wall Street Journal, which is my favorite paper of the week. A guy named Lance Morrow wrote a piece. Does that name ring a bell? Yes, Morrow does. You guys are too young to remember. Maybe Kenny remembers. Do you remember the Time Magazine Cover photo in August of 1973 with a smiling Wendy Anderson holding, holding up a, a northern. Yes, I've and, seen it. I have and, seen and it. And the yes. caption was, Minnesota, the state that works. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. written by Lance Morrow. And Lance Morrow has now written a piece that appeared in the Saturday Wall Street Journal called How Minnesota Went from Tom Sawyer to Huck Finn. Ooh. Fifty years ago, it was the state that works. Now it's become a microcosm of an America in crisis. The same author, Lance Morrow. Okay. I wrote an August 1973 cover story for Time magazine that praised Minnesota as the state that works. The cover photograph showed Governor Wendell Anderson dressed in a plaid flannel shirt, grinning and holding up a northern pike that he had just caught in one of Minnesota's 12,000 lakes. Right? Mm-hmm. The story began with, uh, with this archaic rhapsody. It is a state where a residual American secret still seems to operate. Some of the nation's more agreeable qualities are evident there. Courtesy and fairness, honesty, a capacity for innovation, hard work, intellectual adventure, and responsibility. Minnesotans are remarkably civil. Their crime rate is the third lowest in the nation after Iowa and Maine. Almost 50 years later, I received an email from an old friend who lives in Minneapolis. He began another report from the hinterland. The people of Minneapolis now share online updates of carjackings and other crimes. It would be difficult to exaggerate the extent of violent crime throughout the city. Everyone now knows someone who's a victim. This will be a huge issue in this year's elections. More than 650 people were shot in the city last year. 95 died. There were more than 2,000 robberies. According to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, carjackings in the city rose 537% from November 2019 (laughs) to November 2020, and then rose another 40% in the 10 months after that. What happened? Minnesota once enjoyed a high degree of social cohesion rooted in the traditions of previous waves of immigrants. But as the region has grown and become more diverse, The Twin Cities in particular develop most 
of the problems that bedevil much of the rest of urban America. He might as well have said, the closer you get to the country's tallest Mm -hmm. buildings. Mm -hmm. Crime, unemployment, drugs, and so on. The reasons for this are complicated and widely debated. In any case, Minnesota now ranks among the worst states in the country when it comes to racial inequality. In 1973, there were two strong political parties in Minnesota, both centrist and in touch with the state's voters. A profound change occurred in the Democratic Farmer Labor Party, especially among the wealthy and young. They contrived to seize political power by leveraging certain idealistic or merely sentimental impulses in the public mind. It was the prospering woke who affected the progressive Minneapolis City Council that support that elected the progressive Minneapolis City Council that supports defunding the police, and it was those white elites who, more than her fellow Somali Americans, elected Ilhan Omar to the House. A mostly white meritocracy caring more about, say, transgender rights than job creation took command in Minneapolis and elsewhere in the country. Both parties have become much more ideological, controlled by angry amateurs, the woke and the anti-woke. The woke had this unhappy fact to support them. The Minneapolis Police Department harbored an unusual number of racists and bullies. There were fatal and well-publicized encounters between police and black men that stirred rage and protest. The great crisis came amid the pandemic. George Floyd died uh, in a gutter outside Cup Foods under Derek Chauvin's knee. There were endless. There was endless video of that and all that followed. The smartphone verifies the Heisenberg principle of observation, which states roughly that the observing of an event alters the event itself. The summer of 2020 followed. Black Lives Matter emerged. The progressive mayor of Minneapolis abandoned a police precinct and allowed the mob to loot and burn it. George Floyd was declared a saint. Mr. Chauvin, damned as the devil who murdered the saint, was cast into prison. Minneapolis cops left the force in droves, and the ones who remained stood down, reluctant to risk any new incident. A similar pattern imposed itself elsewhere until prosecutors in Democrat-ruled cities across the country, Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, began to refuse to prosecute minority criminals, almost no matter the crime. See no evil, prosecute no evil. An age of magical thinking persuades itself to embrace many inversions of the truth, one of them being the idea that the criminal is the victim. The left, now dominant, will pay the price. Fantasies of retaliation will play vividly in voters' minds when they go to vote in November, just how vividly the Democratic Party and President Biden will discover. The difference between my 1973 story... And the news reports of 2022 amounts to the difference, as it were, between Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Tom gives you the boyish, innocent, sunshot rendering of Hannibal, Missouri in the middle of the 19th century. Huck's story is the version of America that includes poverty, murder, alcoholism, child abuse, race prejudice, blood feud, and imbecility. <clears throat> Minneapolis today looks a little bit more like the Huck Finn version, although without Huck's humor or his rascal charm. Ooh, Very nice. Boy. That is grim. Spot on, I think, as well, even though it's bad news. Wow. 1973 to 2022. Early on in the piece, you read, uh, he said that we rank high in racial inequality. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Apparently, sure. Because he says so? Well, no, I, I don't know what stats he's citing. Yeah, that's. I'd love to see that yeah. stat. Uh, that 
caught me uh, by surprise. Like many cities, the closer you get to the tallest building, St. Paul, for example, has a, a black mayor. Uh, we have many blacks on the city council. I mean, racial inequality, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I didn't know we ra- ranked at the top. Well, what, 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 how, how long ago was 1973? 49, 30 39 years ago. Years. Uh, no, 50 no, no. years ago. Yeah, it's 50 years ago. Well, that's 49 years ago. Yeah, 49. 50. Okay, 50 years ago, which, you know, to me, I'm older than you guys, that's a blink of an eye. We've really, really gone downhill. And when you look at it, who can you possibly find fault with except the mystery? The mystery has been ruinous. It's not even completed its task yet to be brought about. And it's ruinous. Yeah. All over the country, it's ruined cities. Portland is ruined. Seattle. You know, life still exists on the fringe. You know, you got NFL playoff games last night. Okay. There's still a, we're still functioning. There's a great Victor Davis Hansen piece that I was alerted to. I thought I had it here. I do have it here. I did like your tweet, though, regarding the football. That's that, why we watch games. That is why we watch. Yeah. Victor, uh, I love this guy. Victor Davis Hansen has written a piece. It's appeared in uh, the DailySignal.com called Is America Heading for a Systems Collapse? Hmm. And it's basically an extended, drawn-out explanation of the piece I just read you. And, And he's terribly concerned. This man's a deep thinker. He's terribly concerned that this country is not going to make it. Hard left, woke ideology has all but obliterated the idea of a border. Millions of impoverished foreigners are entering the United States illegally and during a pandemic without either COVID-19 tests or vaccinations. Oh, boy, the first two paragraphs here. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the term describes the sudden inability of a once prosperous population to continue with what had ensured the good life as they knew it. Abruptly, the population cannot buy or even find once plentiful necessities, feel their streets are unsafe, laws go unforced. Every day, things stop working. The government turns from reliable to capricious, if not hostile. Isn't that Oh, boy. In the yeah. greatest country in the world, you, you're hard-pressed now to be able to find a car to buy. <laughs> yeah. Now, I haven't personally experienced it because I don't do the shopping, but apparently there are shortages of some groceries. You can go into a grocery store and there will be – I mean, well, we faced it in February and March of 2020 when people were hoarding mm-hmm. toilet paper. Uh, right now, uh, there are different selections of meats that are – are not there, and there's many different products that are just all gone. The health bureaucracies have lost credibility as official communiques unmasked, herd and acquired immunity, vaccinations and comorbidities apparently change and adjust to perceived political realities. After decades of improving race relations, America is regressing into a pre-modern tribal society. Crime soars, inflation soars, meritocracy is libeled, and so we are governed more by ideology and tribe. 
the soaring prices of the stuff of life, fuel, food, housing, health care, and transportation are strangling the middle class. I hate to be this pessimistic, but how can you take argument with anything he's saying? You can't. You can't. Okay, we've established that well here in the first 13 minutes. Really have, haven't we? Gee whiz. How do we turn this around? How do we convince the people that continue to vote for these sorts of policies, these sorts of politicians, that what they're doing is wrong? I think the question is, you have to go the other way with the question. How far will it go down before they realize we need to make a change? Excellent, excellent. Because it's going to go down. Something's good. it's going to get Such. worse. Well, Victor Davis Hanson believes that that end is not in sight, and that we will become another Venezuela, mm. which was once a rich, oil-rich, prosperous country. Gosh, didn't we always think we were? Too big to implode? We were like the big banks or the uh, uh, whatever, the financial stuff that happened. Are Americans that narcissistic that they think we're on the right path? Are they not able to look around, look at history, look at Venezuela? Uh, uh, Really? Mm -hmm. They are, then, you're saying. Yes, I I am saying that. Well, we're so terribly spoiled, we we don't even think bad things can happen. And you'll note that that's part of a cultural identity now that bad things shouldn't happen. Look at the way the failed academy treats young people. Mm -hmm. You should suffer no. uh, Bad things happen. And because we don't believe they happen, they're happening right in front of us, and they have a political or an ideological spin put upon them. Instead of just letting them be what they are. Some people are bad. They need to be put away. You need to keep score. Uh I don't know what else. Do you, uh, I wonder if I can say this uh, without being misinterpreted. Uh, Think about it for a second while I read yeah. this. Um, hard left woke ideology has all but obliterated the idea of a border. Millions of impoverished foreigners are entering the United States illegally and during a pandemic without either COVID tests or vaccinations. Health bureaucracies have lost credibility as official communiques on masks, herd and acquired immunity, vaccinations and uh, comorbidities apparently change and adjust to perceived political realities. Yeah, I just read that. I'm just stunned by that. Mm -hmm. It's just he he nails it. And the country is so narcissistic that we don't see it. And when people bring it up, like today in the front page of the paper, you get shouted down and treated like the fool. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's Mm -hmm. right there below the fold. Natural immunity and GOP playbook. You read the piece and all it is is a piece hammering on anything other than than the mainstream thought that they're driving down our throats. They will not talk. They will not debate. They will not listen to anybody. A Barry Weiss, former New York Times editorialist, was on with Bill Maher the other night. She had a great line. She said, we have a pandemic of bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we have. A pand- we have a pandemic of bureaucracy. Accurate. She's the guy. We had that gal on, didn't we? No, we tried to. Oh, I thought she was the one that, after 15 minutes, looked at her watch and kind of gave us the I'm done now. No, that was the, that was the gal who was written in defense of police. Oh, right, right. Uh, her right. name escapes me. Uh, 
so I won't dwell on it. We talked about a Barry Weiss piece uh, last week in the Krabby Show. Did you? About Hollywood. Oh, yeah. You went Hollywood on the Krabby Show? The whole hour, Rook. Did you read the papers over the weekend, fellas? Nope. Purposely avoided it. Couldn't take it. See, I can't. Pick your spots. What do you got? I I can't avoid it. I have to do it. You have to do it. I feel I owe it to myself. (laughs) I don't want to do it. Under the chamber. I just want to get through 24 hours a day, uh, 24 hours, uh, you know, one day a week without knowing stuff I don't want to (laughs) know. Two teens held in carjack spree. For nearly two weeks in January, authorities say Kashan Wetterman and Nautica argue. What, that's a wow. Nautica. Read those again, please. Well, the guy's name is Kashan Wertman, okay, and I believe me. the female is Nautica Argue. I believe she's a female. I'm not being facetious. It's hard to tell from the picture. N A U T I C A, like nautical. Oh, really? I believe, I believe Nautica Argue is a female. Okay. And uh, the co conspirator with Kashan Wertman. Uh, they have been arrested. Her parents were probably boaters. I don't think so. They terrorized uh, several dozen vehicle owners during a carjacking spree in 15 cities over three metro counties. Carrying guns, the two committed the crimes in driveways, motel parking lots, at schools and daycares, and against food delivery workers, according to felony criminal complaints filed Friday in Hennepin County. Argue, 19, and Wortman, 18, were arrested Tuesday in St. Paul after fleeing from sheriff's deputies in a stolen Audi. Wortman told police he got the car from a friend and didn't know it was stolen. He then told the officer they should be out arresting murderers and not car thieves. Oh, my God! (laughs) (laughs) And that... That those children have been through the mystery. That's this has been from their day one. <laughs> the case represents the most successful effort in combating an ongoing carjacking wave, a top priority for Twin Cities law enforcement and prosecutors. Nearly one thousand carjackings have been reported in the past year. The excellent uh, uh, Mike Freeman, you're a day short and a dollar late, or whatever that phrase is. Day late and a dollar short. The excellent police work by numerous law enforcement agencies in the greater Twin Cities has resulted in the apprehension of two dangerous people. Hennepin County Attorney Mike Freeman said Friday, our office will now do our part as uh, the charging agency in the criminal justice system and prosecute these defendants to the fullest extent of the law. Wharton and Argue, both of St. Paul, are facing a combined 31 felony counts. Wow. Now, I'm going to take it as a ray of hope that Freeman's serious. Uh, he even created, uh, there's bail on these two morons. <clears throat> okay. Uh, bail has been set for Nautica, argue, at 250 grand without conditions and 150 grand with conditions. Workman's bail is pending. Uh, maybe the maybe the people in the judicial system are starting to hear the pushback. <laughs> huh? You can't. You, you're, you're making our cities too unsafe oh. with your attitude that the criminal is the victim. We're doing a funny show today, are we? Yeah, I guess a comedy so. show. Yeah. <laughs> According to the criminal complaint, Wortman and Argue were involved in nearly two dozen carjackings related offenses, which occurred in. St. Louis Park, Plymouth, Richfield, Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis, Edina, mm. White Bear Lake, Roseville, Columbia Heights, Lakeville, Egan, Little Canada, Burnsville, Woodbury, and St. Paul. A total of 10 vehicles were stolen violently for, from victims and then used to commit other offenses. On Tuesday, Ramsey County Sheriff's deputies, because Fletcher's on top of this, 
went to the 1700 block of Maryland Avenue in St. Paul in search of Wortman. Officers later encountered the stolen Audi being driven by Wortman uh, with argue in the passenger seat. When officers attempted to stop the vehicle, Wortman sped off. He eventually drove into the Cedar Riverside neighborhood in Minneapolis and back to the 1700 block of Maryland where additional police were waiting. Investigators found pictures of the suspects together on Facebook. Hey, Mm. I just ripped off a Mercedes-Benz. Wortman also posted a picture of himself holding a firearm with an extended magazine. Wortman was already on probation in an assault and robbery case from when he was a juvenile. He also has a pending felony charge of being a felon with a weapon. Maybe he forgot that he had that when he had the gun. I would give him the benefit of the doubt. According to the charges, the suspect's spree began at noon January 7 in a St. Louis Park driveway. The victim was warming up her Toyota RAV4 while she stepped inside her house for a minute. The car was gone. Less than two hours later, well, it goes on and on to describe what they did. Okay, but think about this. The throwaway part that we're all guilty of is the fact that, wow, 24 carjackings. So that's how many of those people had a gun pointed at them and were scared bleepless that they were going to get shot or it's... Or got pistol whipped. Well, it says in the a face. total of ten vehicles, meaning there there were more, but a total of ten vehicles were stolen violently from victims. Those are the ones I bet where they flashed a gun. Who were who are going to be changed for the rest of their lives? And it's you know not quite PTSD, but you know that's going to weigh heavy on them. So they've they've messed up these other people's lives. They need to pay. Well, this is why we're Huck Finn and no longer Tom Sawyer. Maybe they think these. Uh, maybe they think they're making them pay. That uh, people who are getting carjacked are getting their just rewards. I don't mean to be uncharitable. Oh. Would you look at that picture of Nautica? Is I believe Nautica is a female. Uh, I'm going with female. Uh, pronouns probably she. Joe, um, have you seen any stats on what becomes of these cars? Are they eventually recovered, or do they disappear from circulation? I mean, they jacked a lot of cars. What happened to all those vehicles? Are they in chop shops, or do they just get abandoned and eventually end up in impound? Well, uh, the woman who ducked into the house for a moment, uh, and they found her Toyota, I would imagine that went back to her. I would imagine in as many cases as possible, a recovered car goes back to the owner. So, I, I guess... Don't know, what are they... You're, let, me ask your, let me ask your question in a different way. Yeah, I danced around what I really mean. What I'm were sorry. Argue and Wortman doing with the cars? Thank you. That, that's that's Joy what I... Joyriding? Yeah. Well, they use them to commit robberies, for right, example. Right, so they're, so they're not on the camera. Right. I had a cartoon bubble yesterday. Because St. Paul has done such a horrible job of plowing, where you park your car against the curb can often be, uh, you have to climb up and over moguls yes. to yeah. get your yes. car in there to park. Yes. Yeah. And I had a car, t- and I'm always observant now because, you know, we live in a dangerous town. But I had, I had this fantasy yesterday of two guys wanting to steal the car, and I was going to lecture them. I was going to say, look, I'm stuck. You gotta push me out and then steal it. <laughs> and then as they push me out, I would just sped away. Just going, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, probably would have gotten shot. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. It. I went downtown Friday uh, specifically to look at the uh, security preparations at the federal courthouse for the trial of the oh, uh, yeah. three Minneapolis I've police officers. Uh, it's, it's despairing. Uh, 
first of all, uh, you're kidding yourself, uh, St. Paul, if you think you're inconveniencing anybody. There's nobody down there anyway. And two, it just looks so third world. It does. It, it, it speaks so poorly of, uh, what's it speak poorly of? Freedom. Uh, the political, how do you say political? Politi- Politicism? The politicalization. Political. The politicalization. The politicalization. That's what it speaks to. It speaks to the politics of the criminal system, the criminal justice system. It speaks to the politics because everything's identity politics. So we're assuming that the that the aggrieved will gather in great numbers to ensure that justice is brought. Hell, cops are the only ones going to jail. If you look at the arrest records yeah. of these creeps that keep getting let out. But we're going to make an example of Kim Potter. Yeah. What are, who are they keep, are they just keeping, because I have driven by there many times. I had reason it's to drive. Well, so describe it, guys. Barriers, barbed wire, it's, walls, it's, fences. It's as if they went to the, the riot closet. Yeah. <laughs> and they just got all the crap all they the had. Just, just barbed wire. What All you chain link fencing for okay. a, the uh, entire blocks around. Stop! A uh, big sign that says <laughs> yeah. "Stop." Yeah, it's roads it, blocked with chain uh, chain link fencing, most principally. Uh, uh, but I'm I'm agreeing with you that it looks like it's from Afghanistan. Yeah, it looks like we uh, we don't have our act together. Yes, correct. Yeah. I think we have better equipment. I, I thought we would have. And and protesters basically rioters are basically lazy. It's five degrees, you, you know, and that's a blessing. Yes. That's a blessing. It's five degrees. But what? I suppose the stuff's all up because what if these cops don't get convicted? Is that well, the entitlement now for the rioting community? No. You know exactly Ooh, what's going to happen. They're going to go right back over to Minneapolis, 3rd Precinct, uh, Chicago, and uh, 38th. Well, and justice isn't justice. Justice is what the mob wants. Yep. Yeah, they're going to look around downtown and say, we got nothing to loot. Yeah, there's nothing down there that's worth worrying about, which is a shame. <laughs> it's unfortunate, yes. My son's working a job in one of the high-rises down there, and he says, uh, I don't know, St. Paul, it's uh, it's very peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to be, but it's it is. Sleepy well, little downtown. Well, area. A, it's five degrees, and B, there's nobody there anyway. And the five degrees would keep out uh, trouble. I, I just, I just. Uh, he says you can get a place to park in the indoor ramps. Not a problem. Not a problem. <laughs> you know the uh, we visited uh, McLaren. My oldest daughter lives downtown St. Paul. Or we were going to a. I forget what we were doing. It was a it was a concert night at XL Energy, okay. and I told Gabe just park the car right over there. I mean, we're it's St. Paul. Nobody's gonna. Yeah, he got a ticket. A $30 ticket or like somebody finally comes Matthew, downtown and you ticket. Matthew, what? how else are they going to get income in that town? True. Good point. Taxes aren't high enough to begin with. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Dave Robinson has a great point. It's, uh, it's somewhat attached to what we've been talking about. I agree with the use of your statement the closer we get to the country's tallest buildings. I also believe that the further we get from the World War II generation, the greater loss of morals, integrity, and responsibility to simply act as a self-reliant and decent human being as people of that generation did as an example. My father was a World War II vet, and I remember his friends and generally all the adults that I came in contact with as a child. I remember them fondly as men I could look up to and respect. I could echo this guy's sentiments. I agree with him. 
So it's not only the closer you get to the country's tallest buildings, it's the further you get from World War II generation, the greatest generation. I I completely agree with that. I do, too. I do, too. We better take a little time out here. We're getting long-winded. Can you find that little thing you got to hit? I don't know why I see it working. Little little button there. Just start clicking. There There you go. How about that? There we go. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. Hey, Kenny. About 18 years ago, I was a first-time homeowner on a limited budget. Yep, been there, done that. Uh, so when a co-worker said I could have her old single-stage blower, I didn't hesitate. She said it hadn't run in over five years, been sitting around. I took her home, the snowblower, that is, drained all the old uh, fuel out, put in new plugs, cleaned the carb, did all the deal, tried to fire it up, nothing, 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 nothing. So he's about to give up, and then he remembered hearing about sea foam and some of the miraculous things people claimed. Remember, this was 18 years ago. So he bought his very first can that day, dumped in about two ounces. We call that a couple of gulps. Pumped the primer a few times, started pulling about six dozen pulls in. She uh, gurgled, she burped, she threw up, started, came to life, smoked for a while, and ran perfectly thereafter. Yeah, he finally upgraded uh, that one, given that old tired blower to the folks. Uh, but that one day made him a believer in seafoam, and he always has a few cans in the garage to keep the cylinders running their best. Truly a wonderful product in the world of bad ethanol gas, seafoam. That's from Sean in Minneapolis, and yep, that's that's all of us, Sean. That's our story. Uh, got us out of trouble kept the bills down, didn't have to load it up, haul it to town, have the mechanic work on it, and then shame you for not working on it. Truly, truly a wonderful product. And we thank you, Seafoam. Joe, thanks for the great podcast. I've been listening to you since 1996 and have followed you throughout my various careers, first in construction, then HVAC service tech, now HVAC instructor. Grateful to have a voice speaking out on behalf of the common sense I had instilled in me by my parents sometimes with the use of a board across my posterior, and by the people I had surrounding me in the construction and technical trades. Just a couple of thoughts about your conversation last week regarding teachers' unions. As an HVAC instructor at one of the technical colleges in the Southwest Metro, I am a member of the MSCF, Minnesota State College Faculty Union, so have an inside perspective of this particular union as it pertains to the faculty here. It is my perspective that many of the faculty here all under the broad umbrella of garage logic to some degree or another. However, you have to understand one thing. There are technical instructors and there are general education instructors. The line that differentiates GLers and Euphorians delineates almost exclusively along the distinction of technical-gen-ed faculty with the technical faculty lining up on the side of common sense. Just a minute. Let me make sure he says in somewhere, don't use my name. All right. Thanks, Bill. I think we're all right. Bill Bill H. We techies don't have time to swallow into that wokeism that is pushed on us every time we are forced to sit through wokeness training. So we just tuck our heads uh, to the weather, to, to weather the onslaught and focus of teaching the next generation technicians, be they HVAC technicians, diesel mechanics, landscape artists, architects, etc., how to be capable at their work, knowing full well that the trades are the most colorblind industry in America. I have taught every student, no matter color, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or political leaning, 
with the same focus on competence and quality professionalism and have yet to see where wokeness would benefit any student. Mm-hmm. Not on my first thought. When the COVID shutdowns first happened, we were forced to move online to finish teaching out the semester, despite many of us techies protesting this. How does a student learn how to troubleshoot a furnace or air conditioner without actually putting their hands on the device? Nevertheless, we had to go remote. So when the fall semester rolled back around and we were allowed to teach in person again, albeit with very strict distancing guidelines that made our job extremely more complicated and time-consuming, we jumped at the chance. Not surprisingly, we found that the students who were required to move online in the spring semester had much less working knowledge about actual troubleshooting when they returned for the fall semester than students from previous years. Seeing this shortfall, we instructors worked much harder to try to bring their skill level up to par. So here's my point. Not all faculty have the fear of COVID mindset that seems to be the prevailing message of the teachers' unions. We recognize the risk but refuse to be afraid, choosing rather to help fill the incredibly large skills gap already present in the skilled trades industry. Society needs competent technicians, not not fearful faculty. Mm-hmm. My second thought follows along with my first. I agree with Reavers when he waxes eloquent on the damages that remote learning has caused in the students in our schools, not only because we have much the same degree of common sense, but also because I have seen it firsthand in my own students. I mentioned earlier about how the online training stunted the technical hands-on learning of our students already in class, but I also see a marked difference in the mental and scholastic aptitude of students coming into my program. As a whole, there is more difficulty in them showing up on time, turning in lab work, putting in an effort to learn the technical aspects, etc. Not to say there aren't good, solid students, but the vibe of the class as a whole is more responsibility-adverse than previous classes. Mm -hmm. I attribute this to the past two years of remote and social education to which they have been exposed. Naturally, I challenge this mindset in them during the course of their tenure in my classroom. To boil it all down, we techies take our responsibility to provide the next generation of technicians very seriously and do whatever we can to ensure our students are competent when they leave school. After all, I wouldn't want a D student repairing my own furnace, so why would I let one out into the field to fix yours? Always pushing back from the belly of the beast. Keep up the great show, John. It's fantastic. Those are very, very Hands sound, <clears throat> intelligent words. I, 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 I can't imagine the long-term effects remote learning would have on a young kid. I, uh, I have a million-dollar idea okay. that I'm, I'm not going to share. I will share with you guys off the air. Yeah. Uh, but Why? Because it might really work. This, this really will work. And it, it already well, might you can't be do place. that to the no, audience. You know, we, we know you're not going to act on it, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. That's why. I that's can't. A... I can't. I will tell you guys off the air. What is this? It's, a... it's, it's brilliant. Well, you're wax hands? No, Come on. No, it's better than wax hands. This one's a legitimate deal. But it has to do with um, students not having that hands-on experience, just like in the email you just wrote. Mm-hmm. It, it's There's going to be... You're going to pay the ferryman sometime. I just don't know when. I always felt in high school that we needed more hands-on experience during the uh, sex ed classes. <laughs> I don't know. That was just me. Though. Did you raise your hand and volunteer? I, both hands. Yeah. yeah. yeah just, no, no, that was to yeah. show that you were willing to help it's us. It's like a wrestling move. I don't have anything in my hands right now. Willing to make myself useful. <laughs> <laughs> Two not necessarily unrelated items. These items are not necessarily unrelated. From... Uh, from yesterday's Star Tribune in the science section, 
Scientists call for ad and PR firms to drop fossil fuel clients. Okay. Last week, more than 450 science called on public relations and advertising firms to stop working for oil and gas companies. The firm's ad campaigns at a Royce Light gas attack. There you go. The firm's ad campaigns for these companies, the scientists said, represent one of the biggest barriers to the government action science shows is necessary to mitigate the ongoing climate emergency. B as in B. A group of 100 activists partnered with Clean Creatives, a campaign pressuring PR and ad agencies to quit fossil fuels to issue the same demand. The question is whether this coalition of academics and advocates can turn fossil fuel companies into social pariahs. Go bleep yourselves, you idiots. Uh, first of all, that's 450 science who probably get a paycheck based on hysteria. Yeah, right. That's how just, they make their living. But I'd like to see 450 scientists on the other side of the question uh, say, no, don't drop your... You will never see that, bro. Never going to see that. And this is an email from Paul who writes, if there is $20 million set aside for charging stations, infrastructure... Does that mean you have no obligation to pay for the fuel that powers your electric vehicle? How is this equitable? So a person of means who is no longer active in the workplace elects to take a three-month road trip around America. Isn't he using 20 to 30 times more fuel than most of us need to get to and from work, grocery stores, mom's house? If Probably. that's the case, our tax dollars are spent disproportionately higher keeping him on his road trip or vacation yes. than providing us the fuel to travel out of necessity. There has to be a charge per unit of electricity, just like there is for gasoline and diesel. Maybe that's in the plan, but I haven't heard anyone speaking up about the cost of electricity at the pump, or maybe, as they're now called, the outlet. Or, as as Joe Biden said, you, look, you, look, 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 you get an electric car and drive across the country on one tank of gas. <laughs> there is, I brought up that point. Get it, see, electric car. Yeah, electric one car, tank one tank of gas. Of gas. Got yeah. it, yeah. Uh, good I, stuff. I, I really am upset by the fact that we have to put in, the government has to put in these chargers in certain areas so free, people can get free refills of electricity. Yeah. Electricity costs, this is what, what they were just saying in their email. Well, was it Jordy or Kelsey or somebody had the green line? Uh, the electric car manufacturers have managed to build a car w- with the uh, exhaust pipe several miles away. But <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. I'll tell you what's ruining. Uh, go back to the beginning of the show. Uh, America is clearly in distress, and I I think it most principally stems from the failed academy okay. and and a failed politics. Uh, there's a very untethered feeling right now uh, in the country about yeah. what the hell's happening here. Yep. Uh, but here here's an example of the people ruining us. A University of Washington. Uh, meaning the state of Washington, language guide is calling everyday words by used by Americans problematic. The University of Washington Information Technology Department released an inclusive language guide that lists a number of problematic words that are racist, sexist, ageist, and homophobic. According to the guide, words such as grandfather, housekeeping, minorita, minority, ninja, and lame are considered problematic words. What? For example, the language guide states that the word lame is considered problematic because it's ableist. These people are ruining America. These are the kinds of people who participate in ruining the country. It's way too much thought. Lame? Tell me when you would use the word lame. Joe Souchere, 
would use the word lame if you were describing what? Well, if I saw I was, if I was pitching to a kid uh, and and the swing was terrible, I might say that's a pretty lame swing. Okay, you meaning know, weak. You're uh, you're putting them down. Yeah. and you're trying to. Oh, my God. The word is offensive, even when it's used in slang for uncool, because it's using a disability in a negative way to imply that the opposite, which would not be lame, to be superior. Oh, for Christ's sake. Does lame also mean you? it, it came up lame, they, uh, they can't walk? Yeah. The guide uh, also states the term minority implies a less than attitude toward a certain community. Oh, I'm glad they said this. You idiots have it completely backwards. You're the ones making minorities less than mm-hmm. with your wokeism, mm-hmm. you fools. Uh, when I'm when minority is used to refer to other races or abilities, used as a generalized term for the other and implies a less than attitude toward the community or communities being discussed. The guide states, "You're full of B as in B S as in S." Wow. The guide considers grandfather a problematic word How? because the term oh, was used as a way to exempt some people from a char- from a change because of conditions that existed before the change. <laughs> so you're grandfathered in. Yeah. <clears throat> they find that problematic. I, I, grandfather I clause originated in the American South in the 1890s as a way to defy the 15th Amendment and prevent black Americans from voting. Oh, shove it out your housekeeping is another problematic word because it it uh, it feels gendered. Why? Wait, no, no, you, uh, no, no. I, I I'm rejecting. What do you see that. when you, Kenny? Describe for me the cartoon bubble of housekeeping. What what pops into your head? Ah, oh, dusting, taking the trash out, cleaning my mess up, doing the dishes, unload the dishwasher, Kenny. Uh, you know, I am seeing mine in usual. apron, though. Well, oh, no, really? Remember, we have the great audio drop. Oh. I asked the guy what he did for a living. He said, I'm a homemaker. Homemaker. I'm a homemaker. Yeah, and I don't see I, I, I don't see a gender attached to home uh, housework anymore. That might have been the case in the 50s, maybe the 60s, 70s. That ain't the case anymore. These precious, these precious fools also uh, would disabuse you of using the word man, manpower, man hours, or man in the middle because they're not inclusive. What is the reason on minority? Why uh, why can't we say minority anymore? Because it makes the community less than, which they're doing with their policies. So they don't even get, they don't even understand, the woke don't even understand their own ironies. <laughs> the language guide also <laughs> considers preferred pronouns. Uh because the term preferred suggests that a person's pronoun is optional. I don't even know what this means. Language such as no can do, spirit animal, and separating groups based on colors is racist or culturally appropriative. Red, white, or yellow to separate different teams is based on racist tropes. No, no, it's not. It's based on uh, the color spectrum. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just. It's just... It's so simple, you can't see it. Uh, spirit animal. I, I, that's cultural appropriation. Is that something Native Americans might? No, what's your spirit? I don't have I'm a spirit gonna, animal. I'm going to have to look. I don't have a spirit animal. It's the beaver. You people are, uh, you're ruining the country. You're ruining the country, and you, you sap students who fall for this. You'd be ashamed of yourself. But, and it draws us ever closer to the mayor of Garage Logic's Everlasting prediction. We're getting to the point where speech will not be allowed. 
We but just these, won't be able to talk to each other. Like you said, uh, they don't see the irony when it's punching them right in the face. Right. These are the same people that love using terms like people of color and BIPOC, mm-hmm. which to me seems horribly divisive. Do you mean Keith, uh, Tim, uh, Linda, Sue? Yeah, spirit is that, animal. Is, is that who you mean? According to dictionary.com, what does spirit animal, <clears throat> pardon me, what does spirit animal mean? In certain spiritual traditions or cultures, spirit animal refers to a spirit which helps guide or protect a person on a journey and whose characteristics that person shares or embodies. It's also a metaphor often humorous for someone or something a person relates to or admires. Well, it's no more problematic than the color of some team's jersey. These are these are these are dastardly people on a dastardly mission. Yeah, and they're ignoring real racism um, and putting this phony BS in, in its place, ignoring the real problem. Well, and they don't even understand what they're doing. Right? Uh, they they don't understand what they're doing. I got to put some coins uh, in the bucket for Kenny. Okay, uh, when we uh, getting quite full, I might have to get another bucket. Yeah, time to bring it into the credit union. Uh, when I read this day in Minnesota history Uh-oh. on. Uh, Last Thursday, uh, there was a segment that included the news that Annie Oakley visited Minneapolis, to which Kenny talked about the HBO series Deadwood. The Deadwood character he was referring to was Calamity Jane, not Annie Oakley. Wait a minute. This was on uh, Thursday. Yeah. I thought you mentioned Jane Cannery. Jane Cannery. That was... was, That was... That was... uh, Annie Oakley's real name. Was Jane something? Jane Kennedy was a completely different show. Uh, you're right. If you, in fact, Look were talking Annie Oakley, Annie if you Oakley. were talking about Annie Oakley, you're right. Oh boy, I'm surprised none of you caught that. that was well, I, 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 it sounded entirely plausible to me that Annie Oakley might have been a Deadwood well, character. Yeah, dealers need to know that when when Joe goes to that day in history thing. I'm already out the door and yeah. down the highway. Yeah. Seriously. I am okay. not paying attention. Well, you should. Uh, in 1885, performing in Europe before What's your real name? That's all I want to know. Real name. Oh, Phoebe Ann Moses. Well, then that then this, this day in history was completely screwed up. Take a break. I'm going to look it up. Go put some coins in my one. bucket anyway. No, we'll do that. When do they want uh, to get there? I don't know where the coins are. Where are they? Uh, Joe Sujule. No. Okay. There's one. All right. Thank you. Okay, that's enough. Take a break. Trying to click. Trying to click. <laughs> trying to click. <laughs> Don't be a dick. I'm trying to click. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I've lost the, the drops, Rook. Thanks, I You play one. He's always ready when you are. He's Joe Suchere. Reavers is only gone today, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah I'm, okay, I'm, I'm retiring good. after uh, today. We, uh, you're going to yeah. become a TV star today. We're what you're going to do. Boy, I hope so. Yeah, We're Rook's on uh, Twin Cities Live today at 3 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty mean time. to Reavers, but uh, it's obvious we need him. <laughs> I just like to sit in his chair every once in a while so I can get a feel for what I used to feel. Well, I mean, you need to get outraged, though, at least once or twice a show. Haven't I been a good waiter today? 
You have been. I've been very pleased. Very different. Isn't you it? know that I'm under a lot of stress. You are. I'm leaving uh, you alone. You are. You're being very good. Uh, Rook, though, you. if you're going to fill his shoes, you got to say something that uh, you know. Quote something from an article five years ago that he thought came out yesterday. Okay. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, and then quote a headline that he obviously didn't read the body of the story because we need that from Chris, and then get really mad about masks and schools. Joe, did you know that bigger paychecks aren't keeping up with prices? No, that's a, that's a. That's oh. a reverse thing. Okay. Okay, listen here up go. here. Um, if we're going to talk safes and which one goes in the Hall of Fame, I'm bringing the Liberty Safe to the table. And Maple Grove Lock and Safe, they offer the Liberty Safe for your approval. It's made here in the United States of America using materials only procured in the United States Whoa. of America. That's a big word. A you like that word? word? Yeah, yeah, I do. And uh, Liberty, they've reintroduced the popular Franklin model. It's back, folks, and that's good for us. Uh, but Rich, he's the owner up there at Maple Grove Lock and Safe. He's got over 140 safes in stock right now for to protect our stuff. He's the matchmaker. He's going to make sure you get the unit uh, best meant for your needs and your buck. Um, I've said this before, and I don't understand this about Rich. But he's a people person. I don't get that, but he actually cares about our satisfaction. And satisfaction you will get, Mick. Log on to maplegrovelockandsafe.com. He's doing full residential and commercial lock and safe security services right in Maple Grove for over 30 years, 6901 East Fish Lake Road. And like I said, maplegrovelockandsafe.com. There's going to be no Monday Night Sports Talk today because Patrick's still quarantining. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I, I have to get a little sports something off my mind. Please. Why, why haven't the NFL's overtime rules ever been corrected? You why, when you the, go into overtime, should only one team get a chance to score, which was the case last night? Well, if you get a yeah, if you get a, if you get a field goal, over. if you get a field goal, the other team gets the ball for their try. Correct. But if you score a touchdown, the game's over. B oh. as in B, S as in S. Why didn't Buffalo? They should get a chance. Uh, it goes that sudden death overtime is what they wanted to get rid of for some reason. Now, I think if somebody goes down and scores a field goal, they win. Well, it's overtime. Such. Overtime is meant to get this over with, get me out to my car, get me home. That's what OT is. It's no different in It was hockey. one of the best games ever played. Kansas City ties it with 13 seconds to go on the clock. See, I only saw the recap. I didn't watch it live. All right, then they get the coin flip for the overtime. Yep. Kansas City wins the coin flip and receives the ball, marches down the field, because Pat Mahomes is a miracle worker. He is. And they score. Game over. Boom. What? What? It's not like hockey. When you drop the puck in hockey in overtime, both clubs have an equal access to the puck. Oh, I like see the wild, like the wild came both back and clubs win. have equal access but to the puck. It's also a deal where the first one to score, it's over. That's right, but that's not analogous to football because okay. both teams have had the opportunity to touch the puck. In football, it was over. Because Kansas City won the coin toss, has a brilliant quarterback, and their Buffalo has no recourse. They don't get to touch the ball. Basketball. Bunch of BS. Basketball, you get what? Five minutes of overtime? But but again, both clubs can have access to the ball. That doesn't matter. Uh, Extra innings in baseball. Sound like a crybaby Vikings. The home team. 
The home team has the advantage because they are up last in the inning. Yeah, but the other team will have had an equal number of at-bats. That The other team will have had an equal number of outs. Uh, of outs. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a weird change. It's a weird change when it happened. I thought it was, uh, why Why did they need, what does it do? It I just don't makes know, the game longer. I don't know when it happened. A couple years ago. It, it, and I'm not a Twitter guy, much of a Twitter guy, but apparently this was all over the Twitter world last night. Kenny, that coffee pour sounded excellent. You sent out a tweet that uh, got some legs. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I happened to tune that game in with two minutes to go, and it's the first time in years that I haven't been thoroughly disgusted by what I saw. That was a, that was fantastic football. Oh, that it was, was fun. I think that was the best game I've ever seen. Yeah. Really well. The last two minutes because the two no the whole game I enjoyed the whole game because I was watching the 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 two quarterbacks who interest me the most, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Uh, You didn't think the um, uh, the Tampa Bay game that was a great. I enjoyed that game as well. Yeah, they really got lucky. You really thought Tampa was going to come back and do it, and they, they didn't make it. But those were very enjoyable games. Packers losing. At the last second, that was uh, yeah. exciting. Yeah, maybe we should take this time now and uh, step away uh, from our the characters we play and send a personal message to the uh, Reverend Tim Christif- mm-hmm. uh, Christi- uh, Christopher. Yeah. Um, anything you want to say to the Rev? He's already pictured himself uh, in front of Super Bowl trophies. I still have these. <laughs> He he had the gall to say what we chide Vikings fan, fans for. Oh, there's always next year. (laughs) Come on, Rev. Come on. You lost. I kind of was happy for Stafford, too. He got the crap beat out of him for 10 years in Detroit. And finally, he can see the sky again. Yes. Get some breath of uh, fresh air going for him. Uh, I like Cincinnati. He's my undercard, uh, underdog Super Bowl winner. Really? I think they're going to knock off Kansas City. Uh, It's tough. That's tough to vote against Mahomes. Todd writes, Joe, I have some thoughts regarding climate change. When weather people give a forecast of cold sub-zero temperatures, they always need to assure us that it'll get warmer soon. I thought when weather people give a forecast of cold, uh, I thought warm weather was bad. Shouldn't cold temperatures be celebrated? And also, why do some forecasts have average temperatures, but others will have normal temperatures? Hmm. As you've asked, what's the temperature supposed to be? Also, about 10,000 years ago, it wasn't much of all or all of Minnesota covered by a huge glacier. Yes. And wasn't the St. Croix River a raging torrent that was considerably larger than today? Yes. Is that what climate activists want to return to? Uh, no. They, they, uh, Todd, let's just cut to the chase. Climate activism has nothing to do with the climate. That's an economic dynamic. It has nothing to do with the climate because man cannot change the climate. The climate is always changing. And unfortunately, a lot of people have been hoodwinked. Right. I wouldn't believe anything you... And once again, if you question it, you're automatically a denier. Yeah, I don't care. Well, let's stay with this. You know what these evil Chinese commies are going to do? What are they going to do? I don't trust them. they got an outfit called... Well, they're going to... Try to engineer the weather for the Olympics. By the way, why was this murdering communist dictatorship country even awarded the Olympics? I don't know. I don't know. They just... Didn't they just have them? 
The Chinese government is working hard behind the scenes on a perhaps even trickier feat controlling the weather. The country is expected to activate departments like the Beijing Weather Modification Office, a division of the portentously named. Uh, both are long-established government bureaus whose... The printer cut that out. Uh, both are long-established government bureaus whose powers have recently been expanded to encompass more actions across a larger territory. They're already turning millions and millions of gallons of water into fake snow, but the weather interventions take on a more cosmic cast. The government could step in to try to create rain, disperse storms, and even turn the sky blue. <laughs> yeah. Why do these... Thugs even have the damn games, which have, I, I am finding myself having zero interest in these upcoming games. Zero interest. Um, I usually like the Olympics, but I, I I didn't. It has to the Summer Olympics. I like the swimming, and I guess I like the skiing. Or curling. Curling is fun. I would watch the curling. Uh, I am to note that uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio says the planet has nine years left. And and Kelsey oh. points out what is more important is that if he is right, that means any girls who are currently under the age of nine will never get the chance to date him. But nine years, Leonardo. Uh, which yacht was he on when he made that proclamation? Yeah. I wonder. What what was it? What are we at right now? Is it twelve? Twelve years? Uh, well, no. Well, if you go with Leonardo, we're down to nine. Now to nine. Okay, copy. Uh, Kenny, i got to read this because it's a great point from Patrick Wilmers in Duluth. Grunhofer ads are part of the show. You should do them even if they aren't sponsors. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I still get a wealth of Grunhofer's emails. We wish Grunhofer's the best. Perhaps we'll reunite again someday. No, he just, he's, trying some out, he's trying out some other things right now. Yeah. And that's just uh, that's the uh, radio business, uh, podcast business, pardon uh, me. Uh, um. Kenny, you want to chime in with that? Uh, Main side. Okay. No, uh, no, no, no. You're going to go Miranda rights on this one. Um, yeah, yeah. I have actual quotes from British military annual personnel reports. I won't, Roger sent these. I won't read them all, but there's some brilliant ones. Number one, his men would follow him anywhere, but only out of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> This man is depriving a village somewhere of its idiot. When she opens her mouth, it seems only to change whichever foot was previously in there. Boom, ba boom, boom. He has carried out each and every one of his duties to his entire satisfaction. <laughs> well thought out. Ah, oh, God, these are wonderful. The occasional flashes of adequacy are married to an attitude of apathy and indifference. And I won't read them all. They're just wonderful, though. The only ship I would recommend for this man is citizenship. <laughs> yeah, whatever. They remind many of them remind Roger of uh, of Let's Go Brandon. You know, I got it. Mm -hmm. Technically sound, but socially impossible. I I can't believe you brought up the grunt thing. Oh, why not? Spencer's our friend. GLers created a, a, virtually a club there. Yes. That's, you have to remodel that building, make it bigger. Yeah, yeah. You open up another location. I think so. Say, only because they come to us. <laughs> yes. All the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. What do you got? Was on this day. This day was January 24th, 24th Jan, 2022. 
On this day in 1848, citizens of St. Croix County, Wisconsin Territory, protest a plan to incorporate their county into the new state of Wisconsin. Their land became part of the Minnesota Territory in 1849. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And on this day... This day, 24 Jan? In 1881, suffering from dyspepsia, heart disease, and depression, Justice C. Ramsey, Justice C. Ramsey... Younger brother of statesman Alexander Ramsey committed suicide in St. Paul. After winning a $10,000 in a lottery, Justice had arrived in Minnesota from Pennsylvania in 1849, invested heavily in real estate, and served in the territorial legislature. In early August of 1862, he was one of a party that attempted to deliver an annual payment in gold from the U.S. government to the Dakota. The Civil War delayed the gold's arrival from Washington, D.C. and put the Dakota in a state of deprivation and near starvation, factors leading to the U.S.-Dakota War that erupted on August 18. Ramsey and his companions reached Fort Ridgely on August 20, the day before it was attacked, and remained there during the siege. Unable to disperse the money, the party later returned with the kegs of gold to St. Paul. I don't know what became of it. Wow, a keg of gold. Hmm. In high school, that would have been Mick Golden Light. And on other terrible news, as long as today's been packed with distressful news, the market is really tanking. How bad is it? Right now it is, uh, uh, I suppose we're going to call this a correction, huh? Yeah, correction. Well, it's down It's it's down 440 points. It was ah. down as much as 1,000 points earlier. Hey, you got time. Yeah. You don't want any hot stock tips from me. <laughs> 440 points she's down. Uh, Get I don't know what the uh, S&P is. Some of that there Bitcoin, brother. That's uh, virtually uh, non-existent right I don't at this know moment. I don't many, do Bitcoin. I don't know how many meetings we have to have with him to explain to him how it works. I don't want to know. I don't I don't think uh, you've ever made sense to me. I, I'm with him. I don't get it, and I don't want to know. I don't get it. I, I, I know people that do. Does your kid buy into that BS? Yes. He he did. He sold, I think, most of his Bitcoin. Um but his other business partner did not. That's like selling you some air. It, it, there's nothing. It's just, what is it? Well, the problem is it gets up high, and then one person sells, and then it goes back down to nothing. So the people that say, I made $875,000 on it can be down to sixty two the next day. I've stopped listening. Uh. Here's me. Well, okay, break a leg today. Thank you. You're going to be on Twin Cities Live. You're vying for a uh, a co-hosting position. Yes, and as you told me, his name is Steve Patterson, right? He's the gentleman that we uh, that retired from the show. Yeah. Look at the look on his. I don't even know what the hell he's talking. Uh, people used to drive across the country to go to his shop, right? Steve Patterson's. On uh, Highway 61. I don't know what Kenny's talking about. Coming from Arkansas. Oh, for the grudge. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, Yeah, wish me luck today and tomorrow. I won't be back here tomorrow, but uh, watch me on the show at 3 to 4.30. I can tell you this in all honesty. You will have me watching. Oh, good. I'm glad. I mean, I otherwise might not. I'll forgive you for that, and yeah. if I get the job, you're going to have to tape it every if I get, day. If you get the gig, I'll be watching a lot. Pod MN for all of your podcast needs, and subscribe to us on the YouTube page. You never know what you're going to find when you're poking around. And you might as well give us a little follow on uh, Facebook as well. Catch you next time. Reaver's back tomorrow. Thank God.